0: Hi, this is Leland Sklar, and you are digging Pantheon Podcast. Yes! History
1: in Five Songs With host Martin Popov A production of Pantheon Podcasts Let's rock out
0: with Martin. All right. Well, hello once again, Martin Popoff here for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We are pleased as always to be part of the Enematic Pantheon Podcast Network. We are available forty-odd hours. Uh, podcast platforms across the uh, World Wide Web. And um, yeah, so this is uh, episode number 60. Wow, is that some sort of a milestone? I don't know. But we are going to be calling this episode... Give the People What They Want, named after the awesome, awesome Kinks album that went gold. It gave them a little bit of a, uh, a uh, you know, a, a second career wind. Um, but uh, they definitely gave the people what they want in terms of making a heavier album. Low Budget was a pretty heavy album, too, um, but, uh, you know, there's a song in there called Destroyer that that kind of like shamelessly samples their own great history with all day and all the night and a reference to Lola and all that sort of thing. So Destroyer is the, uh, you know, the ultimate example of giving the people what they want and it was a hit. So they basically redid one of their old songs and had a hit with it. Uh, you know, a, a pretty cynical thing uh, for <laughs> a cynical guy like uh, Ray Davies to do and uh, and it's, it's the perfect emblem diplomatic um charge of uh of this episode um so give the people what they want all right so what this episode is about is essentially um, the idea of, uh, you know, I've, I've always talked about certain albums this way. I'm surprised I haven't done this episode already. But, uh, but basically when a band um, kind of gives in to the fans or just basically decides to cater to the fans and give the fans what they're always asking for, yet the band is, you know, in most cases too artistic, to just give in and deliver to them and surrender. So these albums are all somewhat of of that ilk, and um, you know they all have slightly different dynamics, which uh, should make this kind of interesting. But so the idea here, it, it's one one kind of interesting thing here is um, so this is the bands in every case here except for kind of one, the very first one, which I'll explain giving into what the fans want and not sort of giving into an industry trend in particular. Um, you know, we've we've done an episode, I believe I did one on Hair Metal Goes Grunge, so this is hair metal bands kind of giving into the, you know, the tsunami of uh, of the popularity of grunge and may, doing, you know, grunge-influenced albums, but all through history, and, you know, frankly, we're probably going to see some episodes from me on some of these other ones, but... You know, there are examples of 70s bands kind of giving into, you know, the phenomenon of hair metal. There are even examples of heavy metal bands giving into the popularity of industrial. You know, I think of bands like um, Wasp and Danzig did that sort of thing. Um, They all have, you know, they both have their industrial album. There are even examples of bands giving into, um, you know, the massive commercial success of new metal in 2000, 2002. You can think of Michelle, Machine Head uh, is one big example there. Um, you know, I remember we got down on uh, on Anthrax and Entombed, for example, uh, for for being a little wackier and possibly a little new metal. Uh, I even remember Slayer got a little of a, abuse for that. Metallica is a good example. So I don't know. Have I done that episode yet? If I haven't, it's probably coming. Um, anyway, so so the the interesting thing about these ones that we're going to talk about today are more so. Um, it's almost like giving into what the fans wanted. Like this is the fan club record, the, you know, the longstanding early fans of a band have been asking for you to do this, blah, 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 over and over and over, or, or they think they want this. Here's the big thing with this episode. They think they, they want this, but in, in some cases, uh, it's not so successful about them doing it. Um. Okay, so let's, let's do the first one and let's discuss. Take a listen to this. This is Thin Lizzy with Cold Sweat. I put my money in a suitcase
1: And get it for the big race I felt the chill on my backbone As I hung up the telephone
0: Alright, so here you go, Thin Lizzy's very last album, you know, tragically before uh, Phil, Phil Linett, um dies, uh, 1986, uh, but this is 1983, um, so Thin Lizzy actually breaks up before, before uh, Phil Lynott dies, but their last album is called Thunder and Lightning, it's very heavy. It's got a very harsh recording. It's got a new kind of guitar hero uh, you know, in the band, good-looking blonde guy, John Sykes. He's coming from Tigers of Pantang. Um, so he definitely changes their sound. Now, so how does this fit with our theme of give the people what they want? Well, you know, all through history... All of us Thin Lizzy fans, uh, you know, always want heavier and heavier songs. I mean, uh, you know, let's face it. I mean, we we all we all want those rockers from the band. That's what we like. We complain when there's ballads. We complain when there's something R and B ish. Um, so you know, here here Thin Lizzy is. They're they're tired. There's a lot of heroin going around. Um, you know, both both Scott and Phil are in the throes of heroin addiction. Uh, the band's tired. They're, they're fed up. Um, Renegade was not a success. So, you know, Renegade is my favorite Thin Lizzy album, but it's not particularly heavy. Um, so there they are being artists and, uh, you know, finding, again, you know, being very cynical about here they are, you know, giving us this passionate artistic album like all their previous albums, and it doesn't sell. It's a flop uh, essentially and and basically they're frustrated. The new wave of British heavy metal comes around. you know, they're they're like tired, cynical, they're desperate. Um, and so they get a new wave of British heavy metal guitarist in the band. You know, replacing Snowy White. Um, And, um, you know, he kind of takes over. He gives them new energy, but he is a shredder and he's a powerful, aggressive player. And so they deliver this album that is, that is basic, well, by far their heaviest album. Um, You know, Bad Habits is on here. It's a little bit poppy. Our band, Torque, played that song. There's a ballad, Uh, but most of the rest is pretty heavy. Now, I wanted to play you cold sweat. Because I love this album. I mean, I do love this album. But Cold Sweat is this is the second worst example, I think, of just being heavy metal for heavy metal's sake. The worst example on this album is the title track, Thunder and Lightning, itself. But, you know, I love Baby, Please Don't Go. And I love uh, Holy War and Baby, Please Don't Go. I think I, I uh, included that on a previous episode of Favorite... Uh, guitar solos of all time I love John's, uh, John's guitar solo on that one um, but I love, um, I love Heart Attack Um, but cold sweat, I find this riff a little pedestrian and definitely, definitely. I find the riff of thunder and lightning a little pedestrian and overall, you know, everybody was, was quite down on the production. It's a very harsh, harsh, heavy metal, mid rangey guitar drenched production. Phil is singing a little bit too histrionic. Like gone is the dynamic. Um, and gone is just the dynamic period of this band. I mean, this is just like a balls out, super heavy, heavy album. Um, and uh and so here we go. They are giving the fans what they've always asked for, but it's not really it you know up high in a lot of um deep thin lizzy fans favorites of thin lizzy albums. So you got what you asked for, you got a heavy album, but we're dissatisfied. So that's the problem with giving the fans what they want. I mean, in a lot of cases, the band knows best. The band are the artists. You know, they're the ones that we should listen to. Um they shouldn't be listening to the fans in a lot of cases because here's a good example um it's just way too heavy it's it's kind of uh humorless and artless and dynamicless and uh, and it's and it's missing that rainbow of emotions because it's just is it's just it's just too brutish uh basically uh this record um so yeah as much as i like it and as much as all thin lizzy fans you know do like it it's not it's not way at the bottom of their lists it's um it's, it's usually not at the top of their lists. I mean, I like Renegade, which is a contrarian choice. And of course, we have an episode of our show, The Contrarians on YouTube, where I do argue that. But a lot of people will pick Johnny the Fox. They'll pick Bad Reputation. They'll pick Jailbreak. Um, and, and rarely will they pick this one. All right. So moving on, sort of a different dynamic. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll explain why it's a different dynamic. Let's take a listen to this. This is Iggy Pop with Easy Rider off of uh Instinct from 1988
1: take a listen
0: All right, so this is a different dynamic. Okay, first of all, it's the same dynamic of what we talked about with Thin Lizzy in terms of Iggy is giving the fans what they want. Certainly, Iggy is another one of those bands where the fans just want a Stooges album all over again. They want Raw Power all over again, Funhouse... The self-titled debut, um, and they're and they're never getting it from Iggy. I mean, essentially, um, Iggy is a super artistic guy. He has those Berlin years albums with uh, with the Idiot and Lust for Life. I personally, my favorite of his whole catalog is 1979's New Values. I love Party. Um, I love uh, I, I, a little less so Zombie Birdhouse. Um, but yeah, Party and Soldier. Uh, so Soldier is 1980. Love that one. Party is 1981. Love that one. They're wacky. They're weird. They're a little undergroundy. I mean, a lot of people aren't big fans of those records. But, uh, but Zombie Birdhouse, okay. So Zombie Birdhouse is really artsy, 1982. It's a flop. I mean, they're all flops in a way. I mean, essentially, Iggy doesn't have a single RIAA-certified um, album, um, but blah blah blah. Nineteen eighty-six. That's his super clean crooner one, and that one goes gold in Canada, and it it is a little bit of a hit in the states. It does okay. So that's eighty-six. This is the one we get in eighty-eight, and by nineteen ninety, he's back to the super clean, sort of behaved corporate sound with brick by brick. Not not one of my favorites. And then on from there. But in the middle is this record, Instinct. Uh, It's got cold metal on it, right? Every single song on this album is heavy. It's heavy, it's a little stupid, it's brutish. The guitarist across the whole album is Steve Jones from The Sex Pistols, so there you go. I mean, Thin Lizzy gets in John Sykes, who would be the ideal guy to play with Iggy, right? That the fans would clamor for. Wow, get Steve Jones in, right? So, you know, here, here Iggy is saying, all right, everybody, I'm gonna give you the heavy album you want and we get it and lo and behold the writing is kind of dull the writing across the whole album is kind of stiff um you know the velocities are, I mean basically the variety in the velocities or the variety in, in everything I mean the riffs are just sort of sort of there, they're not interesting, Iggy's singing is kind of laconic, it's almost like across this record he sounds like he's not even really all that into it, um, so yeah, this is the perfect example, and one I always bring up when this topic comes up, uh, it, it pops to my mind immediately, um, of an album where, okay, so, so, you know everybody wants iggy to make a a heavy metal album or you know or a punk album whatever you want to call it right heavy punk punk crossover just like raw power is right um so we get it and uh you know every song's heavy so of course you know if you're an angry young metalhead like me and a lot of iggy fans um you're you're kind of finding a few things that you do like across it but uh but essentially um you're feeling like okay this is there's there's too much of this or something and and like where are the hooks and where are the songs and it's almost like Uh, i guess you guys don't really know how to write this kind of music and that's that's one reason you've been doing this other stuff but no i love iggy's catalog and uh, and i you know i worship you know a lot of those records i even like kill city the 77 uh, album with james um but yeah love love new values so so you what you want from iggy is creativity and you definitely get that across a lot of those records like i say almost culminating in in zombie birdhouse um so there you go. There's our number two choice here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again. History in Five Songs. Uh, this is episode sixty. We're calling this "Give the People What They Want," and as we're finding out, they aren't always happy when they get what they want. Um, so let's take a listen to this one. We'll discuss. This is Coverdale Page with "Feeling Hot." All right, so what do we get here? So it's uh, it's it's late in the hair metal years. They probably did this a little bit too late. You know, Whitesnake is falling, falling apart. Jimmy Page can't find anything, you know, to do to occupy his time. Outrider, not a very good album at all. His solo album, I believe it's 1988. I played the whole thing the other day while jogging around Toronto, and uh, I was kind of horrified with how little I like this album. Um, you know, people always talk about it. They, they want to like it, right? Uh, And people do say, oh, there's some good stuff on there. I know Robert Plant sings a song on her or whatever, but uh, not a very good album. We weren't too happy with the firm albums either, right? Um, so, so essentially, uh, give the people what they want, right? Oh my God, you know who who's who's better to record with than Jimmy than Robert Plant than David Coverdale? Um, you know, he's like the new version of Robert Plant, the shot in the arm Robert Plant, the, the the guy who's kind of replacing him, next generation. You know, and it felt a little bit that way across the White Snake catalog, right? It's like, okay, well, Robert's off doing his his thing, which frankly is. Is just as cool as Whitesnake but a very different kind of music but you know David Coverdale is the next coming right so basically he you know he gets together with Jimmy Page and this is supposed to be this marriage made in heaven and all this stuff right um you know Hugh Syme cover art on this big splash I remember lots and lots of ads for this and lots of press and a press tour and a tour I can't remember how big the tour is actually but so so it but of course, you know these are two huge egos, and this was happening already with the White Snake albums. You you probably could have seen the red flags going up about this, but it took a long time to make this album. It was recorded in Vancouver, Miami, Reno, Nevada, London. Uh, you know the official production credit is David Coverdale, Jimmy Page. And, and Mike Fraser. So Mike Fraser is, you know, doing a lot of the heavy lifting in here and, and holding things together. He's, you know, Vancouver, Little Mountain Studios, right? But, you know, obviously, Jimmy Page is a producer as well. Um, David Coverdale, eh, not so much, but but still uh you know he he knows his way around uh, around a studio as well but essentially what you get with this record is um is a contrivance right it it feels like a big corporate stadium rock record um it's jimmy being as commercial as possible it's david being as you know the thing that annoyed everybody about dave i mean a lot of things you know a lot of great things about David Coverdale, but but one thing that did annoy people was that little bit of that comparison with Robert Plant. So here he's playing to that even more because kind of makes sense. Um, so they're doing these songs, you know, they're pretty heavy across the board, right? Um, there's quite a bit of variety, um, so you're kind of ticking off all the boxes you want ticked off. Pride and Joy was a single off of this, right? Um, it, it, it has a bit of a, the firm feel as well to it, um, so it's ticking off all the boxes. There's there's a there's a lot of Jimmy Page signature uh, circular riffs and uh, and kind of like uh, slide rule Menza Menza math blues playing on it, right? Um, but you, you know, you just go through the songs one by one and you're never quite satisfied with it. That's the problem with it. You, you go along and you go, ah, kind of like it, kind of like it, kind of like it. You're never really loving anything off of this. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it now and it's got, it's got the Hugh Syme artwork, you know, the clever haha sign. And it's got, it's got, got the Hugh Syme, you know, even type styles with the song listings. And, um, And yeah, so this came out, um, you know, a lot of money spent on it, a lot of hoopla, and you know, it did eventually go platinum which is pretty amazing and you know i i hear basically you know robert plant is not happy that his fate of nations album coming out around the same time sold not great uh frankly it's a much better album and it's considered one of robert plant's best albums um but you know he was very ticked off at this whole collaboration it's like well if you're ticked off why don't you work with jimmy you know because this is the problem jimmy's always wanting to work and robert plant's always wanting to like you know, work with new people and try new things, which is very commendable. But, you know, he he was taking a call and calling the whole thing, you know, David cover version, right? Um, But yeah, I remember talking with Ricky Phillips from The Babies in Bad English all about his experience making this album, and it was a big, laborious, drawn-out process. Danny Carmassi from Montrose is playing drums, so it's got a lot of people involved. You know, it doesn't really feel like a band. Um, So yeah, again, you know, we're all we're all asking for. it. Wow, well, you know, on paper, wouldn't this be such a cool thing? And then when we actually get the finished product, we're we're a little non-plused, right? We're we're a little not happy with uh, with the uh, outcome. Okay, let's move on. Uh, number four in our give the people what they want. Take a listen to this David Lee Roth song or the DLR band song uh, that I wanted to play for you is called Relentless. Take a listen. all right so what's the problem with this so essentially you know david lee roth uh goes solo and he does these vaguely unsatisfying albums well actually quite unsatisfying albums they're a little jokey and you know they got a, he's got a jokey guitarist in there and steve Vai, who's just like you know doing off all these pings and jokey things and not being very heavy and not holding down the rhythm and all this blah 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 you know the band's over the top uh in many ways even the clothing so they do they do uh eat em and smile and skyscraper and Yeah, yeah, there's some good songs there. I love Hina on Skyscraper. Uh, And then he does an album that is actually a little bit give the people what they want in uh, in A Little Ain't Enough. Uh, Jason Becker, the great, you know, stricken by um, uh, ALS, right? Um, He's on there. um, uh, And then essentially, um, you know, Dave's other albums are definitely not give the people what they want. He's got that Diamond Dave album later and he's got your filthy little mouth. But... He's got this record uh, as DLR band. Now that's the big, big problem with this. This album would have been much bigger had he just called the thing David Lee Roth, right? But he, but he just makes this weird record. Um, you know, 1998 um, as DLR band. It's got the Betty Page on the cover, and uh, and it's just a, a self titled DLR band. Um, stupid a stupid band name and stupid album name um you know and and it's not that he couldn't have just called it david lee roth because you know the last record i mean he's basically had lots of radical lineup changes so it's it's fine plus he he is david lee roth it is a solo album so who cares if the band is totally different right just call the damn thing david lee roth right but um so what we get here is an album where um it's It's his heaviest album, it's his most no-nonsense album, It's his most filled in in terms of like bass and rhythm guitar, so it's 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 his most Van Halen esque album for for that reason, Um, you know. Although we you know off you know the argument obviously is Van Halen doesn't fill in in the rhythm and stuff like that, but but David Lee Roth those first two went even way too far in that other direction. So this is the the closest he ever got to Van Halen. Um, Now what happens here though is he's got John Five. Now John Five is an interesting guy, Um, you know White's zombie Um, Marilyn Manson I I interviewed him before I remember going to a hotel room interviewing him in person he worked with Rob Halford but he can be a chameleon like that and give the people what they want and work on these projects but here he basically gets into this, uh, you know, uncharacteristic situation. But he basically, um, you know, says, "I've got these songs. Why don't we, I would like to do a record with David Lee Roth. Like, why, why don't we do this?" And and they take a listen. And so it's it's a bit of a contrived put together situation. But it is John Five thinking in Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth mode. So he is giving the people what they want. And then you've got. Another guy who's very much the same kind of guy, Bob Marlette, right? Producer, but not just a producer. He's one of those producers who writes the songs too, right? So he's he's always around giving the people what they want, whether it's whether it's Rob Halford or Alice Cooper, um, you know, bit of a song doctor and producer at the same time. So you get those two guys together. And David Lee Roth, you know, David Lee Roth is not a guy who gives the people what they want. He he definitely doesn't do this very often, right? But he certainly does on this album. And, um, you know, I've got to tell you, my, my opinion of this album has changed a little bit. But for years and years and years, it was definitely one of these that fits this episode where I was definitely not very happy with it. And I don't think the fans were very happy and... You know, it kind of proves that out in the marketplace. It did not sell well at all. It basically sunk like a rock. And I, frankly, I, I swear, again, it's because of the stupid naming of the band and the album as much as anything. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a good album, full of fireworks. Um, I went jogging around Toronto with this one, too, the other day. And uh, I was very surprised and pleased. Uh, how a lot of great songs are on this album towards the end of the album. So it's a little bit like that deep purple abandon syndrome that I often talk about where, you know, there's a whole bunch of great songs hiding way late in the sequence. I mean, this song, this album has 14 songs on it. And uh, and yeah, the second half is quite killer. Um, but... Uh, but it is definitely a give the people what they want in terms of, all right, everybody wants a heavy David Lee Roth album. Uh, and, and like I say, frankly, the last time we sort of got that, uh, you know, a little more directly was with the little lane enough, which went gold, you know, but this one far from gold, uh, no one cared. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it totally fits a little bit that thin Lizzie thunder and lightning, and it totally fits that uh, that Iggy pop instinct uh, syndrome. All right, so moving on, our last entry here. Um, just to keep a theme going, um, yeah, take a listen to this. This is Van Halen with Bullethead. I'm coming over your
1: I can feel your pain If everything is coming your way. you're facing the wrong way. Crazy dad Bullet head Got a different kind of truth Bullet head Yes, you are the danger I drive just like you How many roads must a man walk down Before he hits
0: his low? Alright, so there you go. Uh, David Lee Roth is back again, and Van Halen surprises everybody. Um, you know, they come back with an album. First of all, they come back with David Lee Roth, which is a surprise in itself. You know, granted, though, they did the 2007-2008 tour. Here they are in 2012. But, lo and behold, we actually get a new Van Halen album. First one since Balance way back in, I think it's 95, right? So we're uh, we're 12 years later. Um, and what they do, uh, you know, again, w- what do the fans want? The, you know, the, the deep fans, most of the fans, they want David Lee Roth. They get David Lee Roth. What else do the fans want? They want a heavy Van Halen album. They don't want that poppy stuff with the, with the keyboards and they don't want the ballads and the pop ballads, you know, the, the stuff that Sammy was doing. They don't want the weirdness. They don't want, the, you know, a whole bunch of instrumentals. They don't want Gary Sharon. um, they want, they want an album like the first, uh, basically the first, uh, I would say, uh, well, not counting They want an album like Van Halen, Van Halen 2, Women and Children First, and Fair Warning, right? Um, and that's what they get with this. Uh, basically, a different kind of truth was super surprising in that it was very heavy for van halen i mean heavy throughout essentially uh you know we were actually even teased a little by the advanced single tattoo being one of the lighter songs on the album the rest of it is quite a bit heavier you look at chinatown and this song bullethead right um but yeah, you know, quite a heavy record coming out of these guys, and uh, yeah, she's the woman. They played that live a, a bunch, I believe, on the tour. Blood and fire, yeah, that one's not uh, super heavy. Out of space is heavy. Big river beats working. So, so essentially, what we get with this is uh, is the ultimate example of give the people what they want. And again, what happens? Uh, I love the record. But there's a little piece of me that wants to, you know, stop at about an 8.5 out of 10 on it. Um, you know, obviously the big story about this record, the big theme, is that uh, they actually did go back and use a lot of old songs and old riffs from from basically, you know, what 77 through to maybe maybe the early 80s a little bit, but more like these are a bunch of their early songs that that weren't good enough to go on the albums and they've been polished off and changed. Some of them not changed very much, but that's one of the reasons why, you know a very critical Van Halen fan can look at this record and say that it is a little bit underwritten or the songwriting's not as great as they got later because it is them writing as uh, in their late teens or early 20s kind of thing, right? Um, So, you know, it's understandable, but... um so so, you know, most of the deep Van Halen fans do love this album and they super appreciate it, but they don't love it, love it as much as the early stuff. And there was there is also, you know, the the harsh result in the marketplace that, um, you know, uh, it's it basically didn't sell as well as as everything else did. it? Boy, I, I should have looked this up Um, I, and I should remember this. I think it went gold or just barely gold or just barely under gold. I I can't quite remember right now, but essentially, um, you know, it did not do as well in the marketplace as it should have, even with, you know, an ensuing large tour with David Lee Roth, where obviously, you know, hundreds of thousands of tickets are sold. Um, but even that didn't do enough to, to push it over, uh, you know, do, do really well. And, you know, certainly not platinum. Right. Um, so there you go. There's a there's another example of uh, give the people what they want, and uh, and we get exactly what you know the Van Halen fan club, i.e., would ask for, and uh, and it doesn't turn out as 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 great as uh, we would have wanted. So. I'm gonna close up there. This has been another, uh, well, I guess, the same length episode as others, but a, a couple of quick honorable mentions. I didn't want to talk about uh, talk about Budgie power supply again. Uh, that whole new wave of British heavy metal story. Um, you know, I thought of Montrose mean here. Here Ronnie is writing, you know, a scrappy, almost hair metally party rock album, which is so against his nature. Right in the middle of the '80s, again a hard rock record, give the people what they want. You know, and frankly, I could do a whole episode on Black Sabbath semi-giving the people what they want all the time, starting with basically Heaven and Hell, right? I mean, not so much with uh, Seventh Star, maybe not even so much with the Born Again album, but mob rules heaven and hell a lot of the Tony Martin stuff you know especially with the gratuitous horror lyrics right even with 13 you know 13 is just a little bit too well it's a lot too straight and predictable for me as I've always said Bill Ward should have been in the band and he should have wrote the whole damn album because I love Bill Ward's solo stuff I think he's he's basically the Roger Waters of heavy metal and uh, and his writing is very odd and daring and creative and they could have used a little bit of that so 13 is definitely a give the people what they want album as well let's stop there um hope you enjoyed this episode uh go to our facebook page um our last episode was actually brought up by you, the listeners. Um, episode 59, the one on uh, on what, what what the heck is what was it even on again? I can't can't even remember now. Oh, the EPs. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, yeah, martinpopoff.com for any of my books. Um, we've got a Thin Lizzy visual uh, biography coming soon. I actually just got in some of the Blue Oyster Cult visual biography again. And uh, Who Invented Heavy Metal, which I think is my best book. Got that in again. Uh, Black Sabbath Born Again. Which I was out of for a long time, so that and sabotage I can supply. I can supply the entire maiden trilogy and the priest ones. Uh, there you go. So yeah, MartinPopoff.com. There's PayPal buttons there. I sign everything. Blah blah blah. Um, hope you dug this episode. Um, go play some of these records and let me know if uh, if uh, they are uh, vaguely unsatisfying or totally satisfying to you. Talk to you again next time. Bye